0: Welcome to Spoonfed, an adult's guide to shit you can watch with your kids. I am your host, Desi Cruz, and this week we're going to be talking about the Adams Family. But first, we're going to talk about some other things, which is... Ooh, honey. Ooh, honey, this episode has taken me so long to do. Um, I think I have started recording on it. Well, if I'm looking at the audio tracks, this is my fifth time starting over. Um, yeah. Y'all, she's been rough. You know, this is my first real go-around with this and trying to keep consistency. And, um, the theme of at first is that I was trying to do... I wanted to do Adam's Family, but my children are very cute. Like, so cute. And I don't want to say that I'm wrapped around their finger, but I'm not not, you know? Um, so... We had started watching Spirited Away, and they're like, "Oh, let's do your podcast on this. Let's record." recording. I just wanted to show them my mic, to be honest, because I thought that I'd think it was funny. And and actually, whenever I do do Spirited Away, which I feel like it's going to be a whole like Hayao Miyazaki month, um, I definitely will use the audio recorded. But I just wasn't actually feeling that because I think I do want to do that as a whole separate thing. Like it would be a series because I am a huge Hayao Miyazaki fan. Um. And then, so coming back, though, to Adam's Family, oh, so, you know, rerooted, and I decided, all right, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna do Adam's Family like I planned, and I'm gonna go ahead and be, like, a big kid, I'm gonna do, like, a great job, and I'm gonna go and take notes on it while I watch it, and, which, which is great, like, I took some good notes, I got some good insight on it, and then I sat down to record, and it was like, oh my god, I actually haven't watched this with the kids in a while and so here here we're at i've i've gotten my head on straight i've figured out how to finally tackle this this is why we are now recording and i got it i know how to sell this (laughs) um so we're gonna kind of start we're gonna start with the kid part uh which is like you know center on why you'd want to watch it with them the adams family i'm specifically referring to the 1991 live action version uh with angelica houston christopher lloyd Raul julia um pr king Raul julia may he rest in peace uh and yeah this is definitely a movie i mean i was born in 91 i don't think i don't think there's a te- like it's it's one of those things like i don't remember the first time i watch it because i'm pretty sure it's like with my kids that um what's it there are movies i know for a fact and maybe other parents as your kids have gotten older you you know this there are movies for a fact I know I showed them when they were, like, two or three, maybe even four, that I'm now showing them again now, and they're just like, oh, my God, I've never seen this before. I'm like, I I know you have. <laughs> like, I was there, but I also understand that your memory didn't lock this in. So I say that because I know I've... It's just, like, you know, before I rewatched my kids, I could not tell you the last time I watched it, but I knew I knew about it, and because it's just, you know, grew up watching it. Um, so I would say that it's definitely like my experience watching with the kids was so many questions of why and what and huh. And it was so interesting because again, after just kind of growing up with who the Adam's family are, like just knowing them by cultural osmosis and whatever, having to stop and explain to two kids, like, yeah, they're kind of like basically explaining them. Um, it's like, why are they doing that? Why are they pouring a cauldron there? Why are they, why is she cutting the roses off the, the, the roses off the, you know, all the petals off? Like, why, why are they doing this? Why are they eating that? What is that? <laughs> it's like, oh, you don't, you don't know who the Adams family is. Like, or you might've seen it. I mean, I'm not sure. I have not seen the cartoon ones and I'm not sure if they go as hard as this movie did. Like, <laughs> cause they is extra spoopy in this um so having to just explain like yeah they kind of do things the opposite and um and explaining too because that i am very much if i don't know something i look it up that is just how i have always been wired so of course they start asking me questions and i tend to do this in movies anyway i start looking shit up um so then i was looking it up and there's the whole thing about And I'd read this before too, but I always like to confirm. I don't like to pass on information I don't think is correct. I come correct. Um. And yeah, they so from like what I read is that they're supposed to be a satirical inversion of the American family, like the American ideal. So I kind of tried to put that in layman's terms for them. I'm like, they're they do the opposite. Uh, Back in the day, it used to be, you know, you have the house, the husband and wife two kids you keep up with the Joneses. you go to work you put in your time this that or the other and then and they do all the opposite of that um how their family is structured as well as what they it's reflected in how their family is structured and how they interact as well as doing things like when they're trimming the rose bush they trim the roses not the thorns um and stuff like that and that when they say that, oh, yeah, the, one, the big thing was, like, why did she say she was unhappy? It's, like, because, again, this inversion of, like, she's not she's not actually, like, really unhappy, but she's just saying that. And it's not that she doesn't mean it. It's just, like, but she likes not being happy. <laughs> she's, like, oh, the darkness. I revel in it. Um, and it was just so, yeah, it was just so funny. And it was just really... i'll I'll say this this is the one of the things i love about watching movies for my kids in general and watching movies that i grew up watching is that it's like oh my god like you're all aliens like you are new new to this earth human beings who do not like like you can't take for granted what they don't know and having to explain these things to them in terms that they know makes you reassess like, you actually have to think about it because it becomes so um, automatic. You just know it that when you actually have to, like, put it into words for someone else, it gives you new appreciation for it. Um. So I think that's what was the really fun thing about this was definitely having a lot of moments of that. <laughs> just trying to explain, like, why are they all freaking? Because, I mean, and, okay, so let me talk then also about a movie basis. And this is why I felt like I was answering questions the whole time. There is, like bit after bit after bit um and i mean like a joke like there's just it, it starts off with them dumping a cauldron full of unknowable steaming liquid onto a group of christmas carolers um right after that there's a cuckoo uh cuckoo i always said the wrong word it's cuckoo cuckoo i'm gonna say cuckoo i'm gonna stick with it i'm gonna be confident a cuckoo clock chimes and the family members come out and you see a little figurine of gomez and one of morticia and they come together and instead of coming together to kiss it's her leaning back and gomez's face going right in her cleavage (laughs) like it's just it's like oh there there's another one um I, i mean just yeah there's always i'm not stopping for noise anymore um, it's just one thing after another and what's really good about that is that it's funny and it's fast-paced so it's interesting not just for you know you as the adult viewer but especially for kids because attention span can only go so far so if there's constantly something kind of happening they're like what um, so it's really engaging um, I would say as far as pacing there is a bit in the middle like um, there's a bit in the middle it kind of drags a bit because there's like without giving away the whole plot of the movie basically at a certain point in the movie they get kicked out of their house by like machinations of the bad guys i want to say they're kind of drags um there's still like funny little bits that are happening like i i think it's still entertaining to watch but i think it was at that point i noticed like my attention wandering a bit but again that's like that's not knocking it like it was still good it was just like i think if it had extended like a little bit longer it would have been slow um, but they, they bring it back by, they, like, they then resume, um, the intensity. So it's like, or it, it comes back. Um, but I just say that as far as, like, watching out for that, and maybe that's when you stop and go grab a snack or something. Like, if you walk away, you're not missing, like, a whole bunch. Uh, nothing, like, plot-heavy. Um, not that this is, like, a super plot-heavy movie, but... I don't know if you're having kids asking you questions every five seconds that that'd be the (laughs) that'd be the time to take a beat because nothing's going to happen during that time that is super relevant to the plot but anyways uh yeah and I would say it's what's really interesting about it too is they they really do give you a good sense of like you know who those characters are pretty solidly um really good like just character development in that case not necessarily from like beginning to end you know they start off as one and end the other it's like no no, no they're still very much themselves but you know who they are <laughs> without question so that's why i think you know it'd be fun to watch with the kids and yourself um i also kind of wanted to get into the other things that were hanging me up about it uh which is so here's here's where i was having hangups is that um not hang-ups it wasn't like moral or emotional or whatever just like I don't know. uh, giving it a watch through, and this is where I think it, this part is more interesting to adults, um, but could be a good place, like you know, good conversation starters for your kids. Is um the thing that kept coming to mind was what's coming to mind is queer, queer coded villains, um, and how queerness and the horror genre are intrinsically linked, um because of stuff like that and and because of that as well as um horror and monsters and villains being these things that are on the outside of society and because of that a lot of queer people do identify with horror and with villains because it's where they see themselves but not like in a negative way it's been like a way that takes back like for example if anyone's ever um they, they talk about this a lot in the boulet brothers Dracula. um and i've always really like respected the hell out of that um of like embracing, and, and I think there's been a lot of memes too of like living my villain arc. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there was, there was, I was thinking about that a lot watching the movie, as well as just okay, and then here's this family where I said earlier that there's satirical inversion of the American family. So part of that was the keeping up with the Joneses and caring about what other people think in society versus what they do, which is like they pursue pleasure, they don't care what other people think. Um, they actually do care about family on a whole different level. Like they really care about their family and supporting each other. And um, yes, and came up because I mean, you see this with, I feel like with both parents, but especially like Morticia to uh, Wednesday, the one moment comes up where Wednesday is going after Pugsley um, with a kitchen knife and Morticia stops her, takes the kitchen knife and then hands her like this big meat cleaver thing. <laughs> and it's like there you go babe like listen if you're gonna if you're gonna chase your brother and try to kill him do it right girl <laughs> like this is what you should be using it's more fun um and um yeah and I just thought that was really that was neat I also was thinking about so they obviously got to do all these things and I was thinking about the fact that another part of where the inversion is is that instead of being raise yourself up by your bootstraps and get a nine to five job and whatever um that they're aristocrats that they have money they have familial wealth that they've built up and they just kind of take care of um i mean pretty regularly like they they keep all these old like pirate doubloons in a in a vault under the house they make certain investments they just kind of like live off of their money making money don't really actually do a lot other than just enjoy themselves um and they donate to charities and, and whatnot um in sometimes really weird ways, but they do it. And then that's referencing there's a, a point where there there's this uh, subplot. Basically one of the one of the things that's happening is uh they are donating an item to charity to raise money. it's a charity for widows and orphans. Um and Morticia's like, yes we need more of those <laughs> versus like obviously what it's for is to like help widows and orphans oh okay so yeah I was thinking um authenticity is a big thing that was coming up and again like oh the the wealth the wealth factor is um how could you live if money wasn't a worry if your basic needs were met for and how could you live if you felt safe because I'll say on the other end they're probably pretty like freaking safe because they have you know their own monstrous desires and no issues about like uh, maiming someone god what is their the family creed is uh russell uh their family creed is we gladly feast on those who would subdue us like what a mood (laughs) um but yeah like how would you live if you had your basic needs taken care of if you weren't afraid and i feel like that's very much what the adams family represents that it's just like yeah like it's it there's no question about it um and they try to be and I think they are open to feedback. Like I definitely, you do see that in the movie too. They're not complete like arrogant, stuck up assholes. Like they they care, but where it matters again, like when it comes to family and to making the family work, um, not necessarily what society cares about them. And again, that's a big. But I mean, circling back, like that's a big queer mood. You know, I mean, and that's I mean, not saying that it's like authenticity, and all that's inherently that, but a lot of that's you know. Um, It's part of the experience because your family accepting you isn't a given. And when you live on the, when you live on the outskirts or you're kind of honestly the outskirts of society, but when you are other, after a certain point, you're like, I can either try to keep fitting into this thing, keep trying to being a square peg in a round hole, or I can just go ahead and just be a square peg and, you know, live my truth and, and just keep going that way. And, you know, and honestly, I find when you start going down that path, you start then questioning everything society tells you is normal. And, you know, you you make these new, these new rules for yourself. Because it's like, well, screw it. If you're not going to accept me as is anyway. It's like, or you told me I should be this one way, but I'm obviously not. Then what else? Like, it's like very much the kids asking, why? Why? Why do I do that? Why should I even do that? Why do I think that's okay and this isn't okay? you know, um, actually getting really centered on yourself and what you're about and your own morality and stuff. So now and again, this is me like, I'm going to say, you no, know no, I'm not going to say it's me looking too much into it. This is just actually the beauty of movies and stories is that, you know, here's this funny little movie um, that's just entertaining to watch. And when you actually give yourself a chance to sit with it and what you're looking at and when you're again looking through the eyes of a kid and having to explain it it's just there there are these deeper themes if you let yourself you know there's it's the beauty of stories there's the multiple lovers like that's why entertaining play and entertainment and all that jazz actually wonderful ways to teach and to share ideas because if something's fun it sticks like it's gonna stick a lot better than if you're just wah, 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 wah. like the more fun you can make it, the more likely it's gonna like integrate. Um, and I think it's what really surprised me about this is because I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be funny." We always go watch it, and then I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> and just thinking out like, yeah. I think I also had this whole other. Um, I also was. The, I mean, I, I also had this whole weird little tangent too because they have like a fake therapist at one point in the movie talking about displacement and um Gomez makes an offhand comment she's like well I'm gonna explain this to you and he's like is it painful? and she's like extremely and he's like go on or he says go on and he's very excited and that resonated because one it's funny again it's the funny thing of like oh they like things that are painful but it's like or not even but and if anyone's been through therapy or has had to go through progress any time of any kind like it's painful and of course, the when you have those big moments that are extra painful, you're like, oh my God, like I can't. But usually if you, it's, at least for me, and I'm not saying all pain, um, I don't think pain across the board is going to make you grow. However, a lot of the times, moments of, you know, it's, uh, what am I thinking of? Gray, uh, elephants are gray, but not all great things are elephants. Um, and I say that because there's a good amount of time that with progress, there is some pain. doesn't always have to be. You can eventually, as you get used to challenging yourself more and more, it can be a bit easier. Um, It can flow a little bit better. But sometimes, you know, you just can't help it. Um, And there's going to be some pain. So, I don't know, when he was saying that, I, I think that what I was noticing is, like, what if you do see pain and pleasure as kind of entwined? Like, what if you are a little bit more open to pain? How much more open does that make you to progress and growth because yeah he was like i mean granted he was kind of duped then because it was obviously like a fake therapist but he was willing to hear her out like he he knew that he you know how he was feeling about his brother like he was really frustrated and, I, and i'll say this too she's basically like in the movie it's um the uh fester christopher lloyd is supposed to be actually like an imposter and um and this person who's a therapist is actually his like con artist loan shark mother um so they're starting to suspect fester is not the real fester and basically gomez is venting his frustration to this therapist about like he's like that's not my brother he didn't even remember this like what am i doing And, and and all of that so she's basically like you know therapizing them to trick them into thinking that it is fester and it's really just them like being crazy which is completely messed up and that sucks and Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's really cool to see that this you know what could be machismo like head of the family man is like just open to therapy (laughs) just like very open to therapy he's like and his wife's there too he's just like oh yeah like and is open to hearing what this woman is saying because he does ultimately really love his brother and has wanted his brother back. And so he's willing to be like, you know what? Maybe this is on me. Maybe I'm not seeing this person for who he is. And I, I need to work on my stuff and keep trying to make this work, which is like, again, despite like the gaslighting and whatever the hell that she's doing, that's bad. But again, as far as the atoms are concerned, that's super cool it's super cool that he's actually that open to change and um and again i feel like in the movie it's supposed to be like "Uh, those dummies but i'm like i don't know like good for him for being vulnerable and open good for him for actually giving it a shot um and trying to be understanding and there for his brother and trying to support because god they do that across the board i mean that was another thing too is words and actions lining up there's this big thing that i noticed where um as i said like This is me not trying to give too much of the movie away, but Fester, the long-lost brother, comes back, is actually a con man, I'm going to say quote-unquote, because the movie goes on, you find out different things. But yeah, but he has this mother who's a Lone Shark con artist. She's trying to, like... They're basically trying to get the Adams out of their wealth. And there's a point where Fester's starting to get really close with them. Like, he's getting close with the kids. He feels accepted um, because the Adams have just welcomed him in, open arms. And you know have shown him affection in a way that he just isn't used to. like they're not asking him to be any different or to be anything different. he's just included so he doesn't want to cheat them out of their money he doesn't want to do that anymore and his mother like will keep pushing the issue of it's like oh don't you love me it's like i love you but you're betraying me and this that and the other. again manipulative shit where it's like they didn't like on the other hand we and and she's you know a quote-unquote normal person whereas these other people just accepted him as he was and didn't ask him to change and aren't ashamed of him or anything and they just love him for being him and um and i'd say the biggest place where that lines up is that so they end up realizing that fester isn't who he says he is and he does end up working with his mom again in order to take away their their wealth. Uh, but he's a change of heart at the last minute and works with Gomez to, like, save the family. And I think, like, they, they do end up having it be that he really was fester all along, that his quote-unquote mom had found I mean, Of course, now I am giving away the whole plot of the movie. But um, his mom had found him, like, 25 years before, and he had had amnesia. Um, but when he got, like, hit in the head again, he remembered everything. Um, However, initially, the movie apparently was supposed to end with it being ambiguous of who this guy was and that he, but he was just going to take, like, Fester's place. And, I mean, I'm glad they ended the movie the way they did, but at the same time, like, I think it's interesting that ultimately, though, his origin actually wasn't super important. Like, it, it was, but it wasn't, because they would have actually accepted him just being faster. They've been like, okay, well, you're family now, and and that's like, I don't know, that's big. I think that's really neat. Um, they're a neat little family, and there's lots to learn from them. So, I think that's, I think I have, oh, I do have some notes to myself about their Zodiac signs. Oh, I was like, Morticia's obviously an October Libra, um... <laughs> Some people would think she's a Scorpio, but with that fashion sense, mm. <laughs> um, let well, I put Fester's of Pisces, and that Gomez is a Sag. Sorry, this is only funny for me and anyone who's kind of into astrology. Uh, anyways, so um, that will about do us for this week. Uh, again, if you have any suggestions, feedback, um, ideas for like movies or future shows, like whatever, if you want to interact, I have an email address spoonfedpodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to me via instagram um, mercurial.fish m-e-r-c-u-r-i-a-l dot f-i-s-h because i I guess not everyone knows how to spell mercurial because i'm not even that great at saying it but i can spell it um but yeah i'm gonna go ahead and sign off and i will talk to y'all next week thanks for hanging out